Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of the CIC Cast. I am Joel Cookson, your host, as always, for this endeavor, and we're very happy that you've all decided to join us this week for the CIC Cast. We've got an interesting episode for you. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. This one is a little bit different. Every now and then we do this that uh, I, I consider a maybe a little bit self-indulgent uh, when it comes to the podcast, but hopefully um, will be something that you enjoy. First of all, we got two guests this week, two instead of th- our usual three or four, so that's one thing that's a little bit different. Uh, we're going to talk to Davis Whitfield, who is uh, works for the National Federation of State High School Associations. He's going to talk to us about the new endeavor the NFHS has undertaken to try and recruit uh, new high school officials. Uh, And we'll get into that issue and that topic and and talk a little bit about why that was necessary and what's going on. So hopefully that will be uh, informative for you. And then we're, uh, as I said, a little bit uh, a little bit self-indulgent here perhaps, but every now and then I just like to get on the phone with somebody that uh, I've interacted with in my past in the world of athletics, but somebody that who I think offers some some great perspective uh, and can offer some great perspective for, for athletes and coaches and any fans who might be listening. So we're going to reach out to a gentleman named Larry Bach, who is the head women's volleyball coach at the United States Naval Academy, and I'll get into his resume a little bit later, but uh, he is a, a legend in the world of uh, collegiate high school, or excuse me, collegiate uh, women's volleyball coaching and really coaching in general for, for people who may not know his resume. So he's uh, he's an interesting guy. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite people to talk to, and uh, he, he's got a lot of interesting uh, insight and things that I think uh, folks are going to enjoy hearing. So that's who we've got Coming up this week on the CIC cast, we're going to talk a little officials with Davis. Then we're going to get into uh, some conversation with Larry Box. So hope you hope you will stick around. Hope you will check it all out. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Think we've got some some good things to talk about. So as always, here let's run through some of my uh, my nuts and bolts. Of course, if uh, you're checking us out on iTunes, hope you will uh, subscribe and rate us there. Um, for those of you who uh, who subscribe to us on iTunes, we appreciate it and give us a little rating there. And uh, if you don't, you might consider subscribing on iTunes and also giving us a rating. That would be much appreciated. Uh, of course, you can always find us on Twitter, the CIC at CIC. Sports. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can also email the CIAC cast, which is just CIAC cast at CASCIAC dot org. If you've got things you'd like us to talk about, topics, guests, whatever it might be, we are always happy to hear from our listeners, uh, both of you. Um, and, uh, and and want to hear what folks have to say. So we appreciate that. Let's quickly get into things you might have missed on CICsports.com before we get into our uh, conversations today. And uh, the first thing right up, uh, a lot of NFHS content here. Uh, we talked about the uh, the new officials recruitment initiative. There's a post on CICsports.com about that very topic. You can... Um, check that out and get information the the link that folks can use is highschoolofficials.com that's found in that post there on cicsports.com but uh we're, we're, we're looking for new people. We're looking for, for some new blood into the mix here in the world of high school officiating. It's a, it's a critical role uh, in the world of high school sports. Look, the games don't go on without somebody to, uh, to be the arbiter out there. So we, uh, we hope if you're a fan of high school sports or maybe an athlete uh, who, who, who knows you won't be competing at the college level or, or just want to be uh, involved in other ways, uh, it's, it's really a great opportunity and it's a, it is a very rewarding uh, endeavor for those who undertake it. So check that out. 
uh, at CICSports.com. And again, the link is HighSchoolOfficials.com if you're interested in signing up or getting some more information. So you can check that out. Uh, another recent post uh, is from the NFHS, and that's recurred, uh, regarding rule changes for the fall uh, sports that will be underway in 2017. So if you're an athlete or a coach or, or just someone who's interested in, uh, in knowing a little bit more about uh, what's going to be taking place on the fields and courts in uh, 2017 in the fall, you can check that out. We've put them all in one place there for you so folks can, uh, can see what changes will be, uh, be implemented in the fall of 2017. Uh, really excited about this post as well. We did one, um, the My Reason Why campaign, which perhaps we've, uh, I know we've actually talked about on the podcast before with Mark Kosky from the NFHS, but this is a, a com- campaign basically trying to empower uh, high school athletes to talk about what they've found to be the benefits of, of high school competition, uh, whether it's high school athletics or, or other student activities. So we, uh, I uh, was fortunate in the fall to have the chance to sit down with some uh, outstanding Connecticut high school student leaders and, and interview them and basically ask them about their experience and what they've gained from the world of athletics and, and student activities. So, uh, and we finally got a chance to put some of that footage together and, uh, and present it with uh, Connecticut students sharing hashtag my reason why. So hopefully you will uh, check that out. And, and we really hope that, that more athletes um, across the state of Connecticut will consider getting involved in that and, uh, and producing your own reasons. And I wanted to add that if you do, uh, you can go to uh, nfhs.org slash my reason why. Or you can also... Um, if you uh, you know just create a video or, or use a uh, something on social media using my reason why, be sure to tag the the CIAC and uh, and also email uh, Jay Cookson J C O O K S O N at C A S C I A C dot org. We'd like to uh, to share as many of those as we can uh, around the state of Connecticut from our from our athletes. So really want to uh, try to try to encourage uh, your participation in that program if you're an athlete. So we hope fans will do that as well. So that's uh, just a few of the things you might have missed. We didn't do a linked up last week. It was a good Friday, and uh, I was not in the office, quite frankly. So um, no new linked up since our last uh, CIC cast, but we will have one this Friday. So uh, be sure to to look for that tomorrow. Uh, And, of course, always check out Tournament Central. That's a good idea. Get all the updated rankings and schedules and all that good stuff there. Uh, Also sign up for uh, text alerts, email or text alerts. Uh, That's a great way to keep track of the spring season, as we unfortunately know, uh, can be a, uh, a, a challenge when it comes to weather. So that's a good way to uh, to know if your school's games have uh, been altered in any way due to uh, to weather conditions. So that's a lot of uh, things there that you might have missed at CICSports.com. And, of course, we also always like to bring you our message uh, from the our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. And, uh, of course, that message is do not text and drive or drive distracted. Uh, it is not worth it. It is incredibly dangerous. You're putting yourself uh, at risk. You're putting other people on the road at risk. It really is just um, it, it's just chances that you should not be taking. So please keep your phone tucked away. Uh, no talking on the phone. Focus on what you're doing when you're behind the wheel. It's too important. It's uh, it's it's critical. It's critical uh, to to be doing that and and to keep yourself safe uh, when you're out on the road. So remember, of course, one text or call could wreck it all. That's the message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. With all that said, let's get into our conversations for this week. We are going to start things off. I mentioned uh, Davis Whitfield. He is the 
What is his title? The Chief Operating Officer for the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. We talked a little bit earlier, uh, their new initiative to help try and recruit new high school officials. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that and, and why the NFHS wanted to get involved and, and what, uh, what that program looks like. Very happy to be joined on the phone by Davis Whitfield, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the uh, NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, recruiting of officials. So, Davis, thanks so much for joining me today. Glad to be with you. Um, so wanted to talk a little bit about this and, and the national effort that the, that the NFHS has, has taken on to kind of help their, their state association membership and in, in, in kind of growing the pool of officials. and. Starting things off, can you just talk, uh, you know, about what prompted the need for this program and, and inspired the NFHS to get involved in it? You know, our officials recruiting program um, really, really sort of came up from, um, from conversations, et cetera, from section meetings and, and, and uh, summer meetings and whatnot. And we found out really that, you know, schools were now having to move contests from, say, Friday to Thursday or Friday to Saturday or Tuesday to Wednesday and vice versa. Mm-hmm because they didn't have enough, simply enough officials to cover games. Yeah. And um, really, we, we began to hear that it was not just a problem in Connecticut or North Carolina or Florida or Oklahoma, but it was really becoming a national problem. And then we really talked to our colleagues next door at the NCAA, and they were having a little bit of the same issue. And, you know, a lot of our good ones were leaving because they were being poached early from the NCAA, especially some of our, our good young officials. So, right. Um, we just, we just, uh, you know, you talk about what prompted the need for this program. That's really what what prompted it. Is we started hearing from more and more executive directors that, hey, we we've got almost a crisis here. Yeah. And uh, we need some help, and this could be something the NFHS could do from a national perspective, and and um, kickstart it. So we started working with 360 Group, which you you I'm sure are aware of, with all the the PSAs that we do and mm-hmm. whatnot. And and so far so good. They've done a really good job with it, and we've already gotten a number of. I think over 500 uh, officials that have been referred to state associations. As you've kind of tackled this challenge and, and you know are talking with your your shareholders and stakeholders at the at the state level, what are some of the challenges that you've heard and in, in that your your state membership is telling you in terms of you know recruiting and retaining officials? What are kind of the stumbling blocks or the hurdles that the that they're facing right now uh, from what you've heard? Well, some of it, quite frankly, Joel, is the fact that uh, officials are now. Uh, hearing, we're hearing more from officials that they simply don't want to put up with the abuse, mm-hmm. uh, verbal in most cases, but as you know, uh, at times it has been physical, yeah. um, where fans have come out of the stands and there's almost been, been a fear for your life, so to speak, as it relates to being in certain places and, and uh, doing a job that, that you enjoy doing, but obviously uh, uh, making sure that you're in a safe atmosphere uh, that's really one of the biggest issues that we've heard as it relates to uh, retaining officials. And, uh, you know, some are the, the younger generation uh, doesn't seem to be as apt to be a part of an officiating crew. Uh, they'd rather find a better-paying job, if you will, uh, a mm-hmm. part-time job, if you will, or something after after their regular job to uh, to have a better income, so to speak. So, so we are hearing a little bit about the financial challenges, but as we sure. know, uh, schools are strapped uh, across the country, so so finances may always be uh, part of that. So what we're trying to do with this with this program is really uh, uh, appeal to those who still want to be a part of a team, uh, who still want to give back to their community, who still want to stay in pretty decent shape, and 
and uh, continue to be part of something that has given so much to uh, to them when they were growing up and coming through high schools. But you know, some of the challenges, uh, as we mentioned, are, are uh, some of the verbal abuse and, and at times physical abuse and um, than, than the paying aspects as well. Sure. When you uh, you kind of looked at this, and obviously, you know, the, the NFHS, uh, I, I certainly don't need to tell you, has a lot of different uh, areas that it, that it addresses and, and challenges that it tackles. Why did you and, and the organization feel like this, uh, you know, shortage of officials was such a critical issue that, uh, you know, you felt like you did have to kind of, you know, take up the mantle and, and try to help out your state associations a little bit? Well, Joe, this has sort of been rumbling for a number of years, and we began to hear from executive directors that it's it's becoming uh, a crisis situation. And, and quite frankly, our our neighbors uh, here over here, the NCAA, were were taking some of our better, younger officials into their own ranks because they they quite frankly had a uh, a shortage and have a shortage as well. And and so uh, we began to hear it from one or two executive directors, and that began to grow each and every year, mm-hmm. and um, it, it actually has become now where many school systems across the country are having to move games, let's say from a Friday night football game to a Thursday or a Saturday or a, a basketball game from a, a Tuesday to a Wednesday or to a Monday even, because they simply could not find officials to cover uh, the games yep. in certain states, and that became uh, not just prevalent in, in one particular area or one geographic area of the country, it began to be uh, a problem across the country. And that's why our executive director said, you know what, this is a great national issue that the NFHS can jump in with the resources that it has and and help us all. And and that's what we've tried to do. What are, uh, you know, uh, this initiative really kind of kicked off, I guess, in uh, in April, but what are some of the things that... uh that yourself, you know, that the the NFHS and, and the partnership with 360 uh, have tried to do. How is the how is the initiative taking off, and, and what are some of the, the the avenues that you're pursuing in terms of trying to get out and reach out to folks uh, and and get more people into the officiating pool? Well, thanks. It's it's really a multifaceted initiative. Um, so we've we've targeted the club sports at various colleges and universities across the country. We've targeted intramurals across the country. Uh, we've sent it even to some athletic directors and some of the athletic departments across the country, mm-hmm. uh, a poster and some information as it relates to uh, the recruitment of perhaps some student-athletes that may not go on to play at the next level or some officials or students who have umpired or refereed in intramurals and club sport activities if they may have a desire to move into the high school ranks, We're trying to get those individuals involved. Those are the good young people that were really hard after, if you will. And so we, we've sent that information out to a number of universities and, and institutions to try and help disseminate that information. But we've also got a very strong media, social media uh, aspect to it as well, where we're sending out this information, uh, become a high school official. And again, it's state-specific. Yeah. Uh, so, Joel, in, in your specific state, when you receive that, that uh, email, you, you have the opportunity to click on uh, a link that is provided within that social media or within the information that's given uh, to the universities, and, and you are taken to a website that uh, you put in your information, you put in the sports that you are interested in receiving uh, information about, and uh, you being in Connecticut, when you hit submit, it goes to the person in the Connecticut office. That may even be you, Joel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you would need to follow up with Davis Whitfield if he submitted that, for instance. And uh, we've had a, a good deal of success. We're only two weeks into the, to the program, but we've had a good deal of success and a good deal of response to the campaign and 
And uh, so we're hitting it from a, a number of different areas. We've got posters going out. We've contacted universities and colleges in their respective uh, offices as well as the social media aspect. And, and the, the good thing about the social media aspect is when we send that email to you or to whomever in a state office, if you're logged in or if you're signed in to your Facebook or your Twitter account or your Instagram account, there is an absolute button on the email itself, and all you've got to do is, is hit send, and it'll automatically tweet or post or uh, send that message uh, directly from your account. So it's a really seamless, easy process, nothing to cut and paste. Uh, if you're signed in, it goes automatically. So we've tried to make it really easy, and uh, it seems like word is getting out, and then it'll just be up to our state association to follow up, and we hope that they find some, some really good leads out of it. Yeah, no question. It, uh, have you gotten the sense, I, I'm just curious, you know, as you sort of have gone along, that this is, you know, obviously, as you said, the, the state associations were aware that this was an issue, and I'm sure it, you know, even seeps down into the schools. But, you know, have you gotten a sense to, to maybe the people that are being, you know, hit with some of this recruiting information that they are aware that this was such a, you know, such an issue, such a big issue and such a concern for schools. I'm wondering if this, you know, I sort of had this sense that people just kind of assume that, the, you know, the, the officials are always going to be there, you know, that they're, it's just, a, it's, a, you know, a, the sun rises and, and the officials will be there to, to officiate my game. Have you gotten any kind of response to that, you know, and sort of saying, wow, I had just had no idea that this was such a, such a big problem right now? Well, it's almost like the concussion issue and, and, and also the heat acclimatization. It's, it's not an issue until it really becomes an issue, quite sure. frankly, and, and until you start to see a negative effect from it. And I think uh, many are starting to see, when, when high schools are starting to move games, there is more awareness. And I do think this program is bringing an even greater awareness to it. And I, I think we've got to make sure we don't kid ourselves that uh, Davis Whitfield, who's never umpired or never officiated a, a, a single contest, is not going to jump in, typically is not going to jump right into high school competition. So there's going to be a little bit of, of uh, education, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, with this whole process. And, and uh, I think our, our responses and our results have been really, really good thus far. We hope that trend continues. But um, we, we have heard that it's bringing more awareness to the fact that we've got to get some younger individuals involved in into our officiating pipeline because many of the uh, again, the older generation is starting to age out, and, and uh, uh, we've got to get some new Ferraris in there, Joe. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, we, uh, it's it's not a uh, it's not a perpetual cycle. We have to uh, have to right. you know get to get some new folks going there. So, uh, where is the you know from the the NFHS perspective? Where do we go from here? What's uh, are there you know next steps to? Obviously, you've talked about people can submit their information and they'll get follow up from the uh, the state associations in our office. That's a, a gentleman named Joe Tonelli that they'll get a, a phone call or an email from. But uh, I'm curious if there are, you know any planned steps going forward uh, from the NFHS. Where where might they go from here? Well, I, I think what we are, we're two weeks into our initial uh, kickoff of the program, and uh, we've already had to change our message. We've already started to change our message to say thank you. Thank you for your response. Thank you for your uh, attention to the communication that's already been sent out as it relates to uh, this particular matter. And we've got some really, really good responses, and uh, we want to continue to ride that wave, if you will, uh, and I'm certain our message will, will change, although I don't know that it will go away. Mm -hmm. uh, I think our message will continue to evolve uh, as it relates to high school athletics. Uh, again, we, we, we touch on a number of different uh, entities in terms of staying in shape, uh, earning a little extra cash, um, being involved in community, being involved with the team. Uh, we were, most of us were involved in a team in high school, and some of us were able to go on to the college ranks and play a little bit. This is another way to 
continue to do that and, and sharing the camaraderie and sharing the uh, travel to games and, and traveling to uh, certain contests that may be a state championship one day, and, and uh, there's a lot to be said for that. So I think where we go from here is we continue to build on what momentum we've already gained and, and probably change the messaging such that uh, we try to appeal to, to all different levels and, and different uh, appeal points would, would uh, make headway for different individuals. Sure. So we will try to craft that message so that we can uh, circle our bases, if you will, and then hit all the points. Yeah, no, uh, it's uh, it certainly is a is a, a critical issue, and and you know one that uh, we hope doesn't uh, reach any kind of crisis stage where uh, you know as you say you're uh, you're not able to to hold the events that uh, that people want to be able to participate in either you know and particularly you see and, and here you know that it's it starts start it begins at the sub varsity level you know that maybe those are the games that uh, that just can't be supported and that certainly uh, is not the kind of thing that we want to see happen so very important program and uh, I want to make sure we get this in here I believe the uh, the the website uh, where fa- folks can go in and uh, and enter their information is uh, highschoolofficials.com. So you don't have to be uh, directed there uh, through any of our uh, our appeals. You could go there um, on your own and enter in the information. But we hope uh, folks will take this seriously, and we hope uh, we uh, hope it continues success for the NFHS. So Davis, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. Uh, I know you got a lot going on out there, but uh, appreciate the uh, the time to talk a little bit about this program. Always happy to talk about it, Joel, and always happy to talk with you. Thanks so much to Davis for taking a few minutes to chat with us about the uh, the, the recruiting new officials uh, initiative there from the uh, the NFHS and and as I said, it really is something that's uh, that's worthwhile and hopefully you'll you'll take a look at. You can check out the post on uh, CICSports.com. We've been tweeting out. Uh, a lot of links uh, and information about that on our, our tweet, our Twitter feed at CIC Sports, also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CIC Sports. So highschoolofficials.com is the website uh, that, that folks can take a look at. So hope you will uh, consider doing that. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's really uh, something you can do to, to stay involved in high school athletics and, and really make a difference uh, in a lot of different ways. So thanks to Davis for that. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to have kind of a hopefully a wide-ranging conversation now with uh, with our next guest, uh, Larry Bach. For those of you uh, probably not in the world of uh, of college women's volleyball, you may not know the name Larry Bach, but uh, I'm going to kind of quickly run through his resume here, just as uh, and I don't want to do it with him on the phone because I, I feel like that would embarrass him a little bit. But he was the longtime uh, Division three. Volleyball coach at Juniata College, uh, which is in Pennsylvania, happened to be where I uh, started my career as a sports information director, but uh, is one of the winningest coaches in any sport in NCAA history. Has well over, uh, I believe at this point, over 1,100 victories as a collegiate volleyball coach. Uh, he's done just about everything you could do in the world of collegiate volleyball uh, at the Division Three level uh, at Juniata. Uh, was named uh, Coach of the Year a number of times and uh just a, a remarkable resume, won a pair of national championships there. Um, I'll just simply say this and sort of maybe sum it up the best as I can. The American Volleyball Coaches Association, which encompasses college and high school uh, coaches, when they created their Hall of Fame, he was one of the first, he was part of the uh, inaugural inductee, inductee class. So this is, uh, is someone who's had about as much success coaching at the collegiate level as you can have. And uh, he's really an interesting guy and, and someone that I enjoy talking with. Uh, and, and really thoughtful about a lot of issues around the world of uh, athletics. So wanted to uh, just chat with him. Hopefully uh, you'll find it interesting. And uh, so let's get to it, our conversation with Larry Bach, uh, the head women's volleyball coach at the United States Naval Academy. 
I am very, very excited to be uh, welcoming in our next guest, who is someone uh, I've known for, for quite a few years now, and I, and I think our, our listeners are going to get to enjoy uh, hearing from, and that is Larry Bach, who is the head women's volleyball coach at the United States Naval Academy. And uh, Larry, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you. Wanted to uh, to talk to Larry and just kind of get uh, his perspective on, on a lot of different things that might be relevant for high school athletes, high school coaches, and uh, someone who's been involved in athletics at the collegiate level for a long time, but is also certainly uh, as part of that, um, you know, involved in, in high school athletics and someone who deals with high school athletics on the recruiting trail. So, Larry, I want to start off. You've been, you know, with college athletes for a long time. And, and certainly recruited them and, and brought them under your wing. But I wanted to ask for, for our high school athletes, what would be some advice or what advice would you give to an athlete that sort of plans to play at the collegiate level, whether that's Division One, obviously, which you're doing now, or Division Two or Division III, uh, you know, both sort of in terms of their skills and development and what it might take to, to compete at that college level and also, you know, how they should sort of approach or handle the recruiting process from your perspective. Ah, well... The first thing, and this is um, a theme that has uh, solidified over the years, is first, don't pay any attention to division. That that uh, is a trap that is easy to fall into, mm-hmm. and the level of play is is not very well defined by NCAA or NAIA divisions. It's uh, it's one place where the level of play and the kind of school and everything that's involved in a collegiate athletic decision will play itself out the more a person does research. So first, don't pay any attention at all to Division One, Division Two, Division Three. Uh, Coach Division Three teams that were every bit as good as uh, middle to higher level Division Ones, and I've coached a Division One team that at one time was uh, not a very good Division Three team. <laughs> so to go after the best possible school and the best possible predicted athletic experience is the best way to go. Right. Um, when you sort of look at it in terms of, you know, what, you know, if, if what should, a, from you, from your perspective, an athlete kind of be doing to, to prepare themselves? If that's, you know, they think uh, a college athletic experience is something that they want to be involved in, you know, how, how would you sort of recommend, uh, you know, I'm sure they get a lot of advice from, from their high school coaches, from maybe their club coaches, from their parents, from whoever it might be. If you were to sort of, and obviously this, uh, you know, is a very broad question, and, and it certainly would be more uh, specific for that individual student. But in terms of preparation, uh, you know, what would you sort of suggest or, or recommend for an athlete who who really is convinced that they have the ability and, and the desire to compete at the collegiate level? Oh, sure. There's. Uh Another trap that should be uh, at least recognized, every athlete growing up probably starts off with a broad-based experience playing a number of different sports, sports by season, uh, 
kind of stuff that uh, maybe more parents and grandparents did than than today's uh, athletic generation. Mm-hmm. But to stay involved in multiple sports as much as possible throughout a you know, a high school career, I think is and have seen is really good in the long run. Yeah. The the people, the old two, three sport athletes that I've coached and, and coached against, by the time they're juniors and seniors in college, they are probably playing one sport at that point. The people who had broad based athletic experiences are really significantly better for that uh, for that experience by the time they, they get to be older college athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. But I don't think they burn out as fast and you know, at least uh, complex uh, foot movement skills are enhanced for those people who had to do a number of different different sports, different things within those sports. So, yeah, first of all, stay involved as much as somebody might want to in high school with, with playing multiple sports. And many times that is, that's not possible. And, and by the time a high school scholastic athlete is a junior or senior, they may well be saying to themselves, hey, I want to concentrate on one sport. Hey, I really want to be good at this one one sport and that they'll know when that that time has has arrived uh the second thing with uh recruiting try to uh minimally engineer the whole process uh start early uh start early by at least thinking and visiting and you know casually making a, a a few decisions about what feels good mm-hmm. while looking at the product and saying what uh, what is good. You know, make a decision, make early decisions with uh, one's heart as well as with one's head. Don't pay a whole lot of attention to, a, again, tangentially the, uh, the divisional stuff. The, the money, it's there. It's a factor, but it shouldn't be the driving choice behind anybody's decision yeah. about what what school to attend. The most important thing, of course, is as everybody's going to be telling great athletes, good students, is find a place that's going to fill the bill academically mm-hmm. and make sure that it's four years of, should be a uh, the best four years, one of the best four years of one's life. Choose carefully and make sure not to be driven by money and fall into perhaps four years of misery and regret. So start early. Uh, look, that there unfortunately is a trend, a clear trend toward athletes being pushed into making decisions quickly. Yeah. That's, that's uh, part of the deal now. 
and it's uh, it's there. It's not one that is likely healthy for anybody, but it's it's reality. So be ready, especially great great athletes. You're, you're going to be sought highly sought after. Yeah, be ready for it. Do your homework. Uh, talk to the right people. And again, make sure that it's a college and university of your choice that feels good as well as solves all the checks off all the marks with with your size of school, size of environment, size of town, and it's a it's a decision that's being foisted upon our scholastic student-athletes early, so be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, you know, and obviously, you, you know, the, the, the probably the the primary thing, although maybe you, you tell me that I'm wrong, is, uh, you know, that you're looking for in a recruit uh, or someone that you think you want to, to have join your p- collegiate program is, is talent. I assume that that's probably, you know, thinking that they've got the ability to – to compete for your for your team, but putting that aside, or, or if maybe that isn't the first thing, but what what's the biggest thing you look for, uh, you know, in a recruit in, in terms of somebody that you want uh, to join your collegiate program? Well, there there of course are a lot of different qualities that make a, a great collegiate student athlete. It would be disingenuous to you know, try to imply that coaches are, who are recruiting are looking first of all for anything but you know somebody who can throw hard hit the ball a long way uh, score points is fast in, in other words physical abilities and talent mm-hmm. that's that's there yeah. uh, Numbers count. Yeah, we'll look at numbers a little bit in all sports. But direct observation and finding somebody who's talented—that's still the uh, still the first thing. But you know, after that, there's a lot of things that can knock somebody right out of being uh, a highly sought-after scholastic student athlete. Uh, Grades are right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's somebody who uh, who hasn't done well, who has underperformed in uh, with their uh, high school grades. Uh, that it's not going to help. Uh, test scores, SAT, ACT scores. You know, take them early. Take them off. <laughs> Take a course. Um, it's uh, it's there. It's still important for uh, many, many, many schools. How uh, how one? I, I look pretty closely at how somebody comports themselves. For us on the court, uh, they're making eye contact with uh, their teammates. I watch very closely what happens after somebody makes a mistake mm-hmm. after they mess it up yeah, do they recover well 
Are they looking at their shoes? Are they rolling their eyes? Uh, or do they have that look on their face that, uh, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't know what just happened there. That was, that was very odd. But I'm coming back, and I'm, I'm really good. And the look on somebody's face pretty clear to read. Yeah. Uh, what happens when somebody's on the bench? Uh, really interesting. I'm probably never going to recruit somebody because they're uh, because they're great uh, a great teammate on the bench. But I'll sure stop recruiting somebody if it's real clear that they're not being a great teammate when they get benched or they're not playing for any reason. Somebody who can keep their head in the game and clearly is invested with what's going on on the court, you know, that's uh, that's a keeper yeah. right there. Again, um, not, the, not the first thing on the list, but it sure can knock somebody off off of my radar. Yeah. Um, you talked, and you sort of, uh, this was one I had uh, on my list, and, and you hit on it a little bit uh, in, your, in your previous answer, but I am... You know, curious, sort of, as you said, the, this sort of feels like this is a, a popular topic, uh, certainly in the world of high school sports, and, um, you know, this sort of trend towards sports specialization and, and, you know, maybe choosing early on, you know, whether it's even at the elementary school level or whatever it might be, that, you know, the, the, that athletes are only going to focus on one sport. It sounds like that's something that uh, you would discourage, uh, at least, you know, as obviously it's going to be up to the the choice hopefully of the athlete but uh is that that a fair assessment that that sort of sticking with uh as many sports as as you think is is possible and uh is something that you find has been beneficial in your experience for for kids and for for athletes as they they try to progress and at whatever level they they hope to compete at absolutely uh, i'm an old guy and uh i still re- remember vividly you know the the days um that nobody else cares about when <laughs> when it was fall we played football and in the winter we played basketball and in the spring we played baseball and in the summer we played more baseball <laughs> and those days are long gone yeah uh, now with uh travel teams and club sports and uh specialization having hit us real hard No, that's 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 not in the cards for many many people. But let's keep things in perspective. Why are we doing this? Are we playing playing ball, playing sports, playing anything as a means to an end or as an end in itself? If uh, it's called playing playing basketball, playing lacrosse, it's not working. It's not working softball or or working football. Mm-hmm. We we do it for the right reasons. Everything will work out in the end. And uh, there's got to be so much cooperation among coaches and so much patience with parents that uh, if somebody does want to do something really well, whether it's one sport or two sports. Uh, Sometimes 
uh, even three sports yet. Uh, and do it as long as, as a father and as a coach. Do it as long as you want to, and you're getting great pleasure out of it. And as soon as it might appear that one isn't enjoying it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll know. Yeah, I, you know, that person's just gonna know it's time, and you know there, there's going to be a a place in all likelihood for high level athletes where you say I'm going to play one sport, and then then go after it. And it's you know there's a lot of opportunity anymore. That's a great thing. Yeah, and. It's a, it's a blessing as long as it's, uh, it's handled well and if a person trusts their own feelings and trusts the advice of good mentors, good coaches, uh, parents. Play as many sports as long as it's enjoyable, as long as it's possible, and as long as it's not to the detriment of what you want to do in the long run. Yeah. That certainly uh, certainly sums up the the position of our organization, and I know a lot of other, uh, hopefully, uh, a lot of other folks out there as well. So, want to transition a little bit here, kind of into more. Uh, you know, we've tried to, to to tailor our first couple questions here for things that might be relevant for our our high school athletes, or maybe their parents, or and their coaches. But uh, certainly wanted to pick your brain a little bit about coaching for some of our uh, our coaching uh, or aspiring coaches who might be listening. Um, you know, and uh, so just wanted to, to, to get your perspective on a few things. And, uh, you know, the first thing I wanted to just ask you is you've been doing this a, a long time now. Uh, what's what's your favorite thing about coaching? Why has this sort of been the, you know, the, the area that you've ended up dedicating your uh, your professional life to? <laughs> well, I, I don't look at coaching as a job. And, in fact, uh, the last six years, is the first time I've ever just coached, and it's uh, it's uh, generally been the reward, uh, at least professionally, for my day. The best part of my professional day is uh, the time I get to spend with my team and and athletes. The best part of that, though, is I I like the training. Part and uh, you know the the games and matches are important certainly, but I I recognize that if I've not done my job during the course of training in the course of uh, the week of practices, any weekend of competition isn't going to go real well. Yeah, I find that if I'm uh, if I'm terrorizing my athletes during the during a game, that I probably haven't done a real good job uh, when we were in practice and in training right. and preparation. I can certainly mess it up uh, during competitions and make bad decisions. But generally, the success or failure of my teams is going to be influenced most by. Uh, by what we've done in practices and training uh, in the long run and in the, in the short run. Yeah. 
so I get uh, I get more nervous for practices than I do for games, matches now, and I probably get more satisfaction out of a great practice than than I do out of a, you know, a, a run-of-the-mill win. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, and I know it sort of. I I was gonna. I had that question on my list because I know I've heard you sort of uh, enumerate that position before. I'm curious. Did that, you know, did that develop over time? That sort of, you know, that your emphasis as as a coach, uh, you know, is much much greater on the the practices than maybe on the, you know, obviously the the games are the results uh, in some ways, but uh, you know that you felt like the emphasis should be. Uh, of your at least uh, efforts should be on the practice rather than the than the game itself. Is that something that came you know early for you? Does that develop over time? How did that sort of uh, you know manifest itself? Joel, I think I realized that uh, it was no conscious decision, but shoot, I, I still get really nervous for practice, and uh, that's that's kind of my time. I'm I'm on stage. With, mm-hmm. uh, Looking at me, hopefully during a game, uh, everybody's uh, attention is focused on the right things, not on uh, you know Coach Bach on the sidelines <laughs> you know, performing in some ways. But in practice, that's where I think I have the potential to have the most good or bad influence, and you know preparing well for. Uh, you know, training uh, any time during the uh, during the year. Well, that's when I can have the, the greatest impact, and I think gradually over time recognized recognized that. And so, at, at the end of a good practice, uh, it went well, and the kids are up and smiling. And, they played, trained hard and clean, and uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling really good about that. I think I I did a good job, uh, but I've I've certainly messed it up <laughs> enough times, and really lucky uh, over these what been 40 41 years that uh, I've coached really bright, intelligent. Uh, forthright kind of athletes which I appreciated that they would tell me they'd tell me coach that was bad practice or coach this drill sucks <laughs> and that's helped me uh, helped me along the way and I, I'm pretty sure I know when my team's had a positive training experience yeah yeah, well, I, having met a few of those athletes, I can kind of imagine in my head which one of them, which ones of them may have told you that a practice sucked. But uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll let them remain nameless at least for the moment. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sort of thinking along this, and I, again, I'm 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 uh, you know kind of mining conversations that I know I've had with you in the past. But I know you've you've talked to me before about you know. Um, the sort of the the importance, at least from your perspective, for a coach to kind of you know to be themselves and and to not sort of you know try to to play the role uh, of you know a coach that maybe they kind of have in their head. You know, it's uh, I remember you telling me a, a story about a time when you 
you know, sort of tried to be overly demonstrative and uh, it, it ended up kind of backfiring for you. Um, and I'm sure as folks can, can guess from listening to our conversation here, you're a, re- a fairly understated uh, individual, although certainly uh, also as competitive as, as just about anybody I've met. But I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how important is it for a coach to, to sort of trust their instincts and, and be themselves and not try to be something or someone, uh, you know, that isn't really who they are and isn't comfortable for them? Well, I've arrived at, um, I, I'm, I'm dead, solid, certain that the people that I coach are way smarter than I am. <laughs> and they get it. They, they I'm not going to be able to fool, I'm not going to be able to fool anybody who's in my gym. So if I try to be a yeller or I try to uh, be more enthusiastic than I am in uh, normal everyday life, if I'm trying to be something that I am not, they're going to see right through that. And if I, uh, if I do try to go over the edge in some way and play head games, uh, they know. And I'm sure that is uh, exactly the same as any athletes who might be listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and any coaches that everybody knows the deal, and so I—it's not a real exciting kind of a personality that shows up when Coach Bach walks into the <laughs> gym every day. But I'm real comfortable in my own skin, and I—I I know that if I uh, if I coach the way that I naturally would would do that and be a teacher think of myself more of a teacher than anything else that I'll have done my best I might not be as good as what some of my colleagues can do but it's doing my best yeah and to try to pull the wool over athletes of the eyes of athletes Today, um, that's a fool's errand. Yeah, and we'll we'll do our best by doing our best as ourselves. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it, it's it's an interest. I never really thought about it until you and I, I know you and I had spoken about it at, at one point. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, you know sort of philosophy, and I, I wonder how 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 many folks are are, are really thinking along those lines uh, in terms of how they coach. Um, I'm curious, you know, you you mentioned. Uh, uh, and I wasn't going to necessarily, uh, you know, put out the the 41 years, but you you said it, so we'll uh, we'll go with that. Uh, as you know, you've been doing this a long time. Um, you know, we, we sort of, I feel like it's it's pretty common, sort of in the the discussion now about athletes and and you know how um, and and really sort of maybe sports in general that you know you've got you're dealing with you know maybe a generation of athletes that are a little more entitled and you know everyone you know, gets a trophy and participation things and all these kinds of, you know, cliches about what has happened with sort of the world of athletics. I'm curious, you know, how you've, you know, whether or not, putting aside whether or not all that is true or overstated or whatever it might be, I'm curious how you've sort of 
approached trying to adapt, uh, you know, over the over the course of your career, uh, you know, and tried to to maybe deal with the fact that the athletes you're coaching today are are different than the athletes you were coaching 30 years ago when you when you were just getting into it uh, or whatever it might be. How have you kind of approached trying to change what you do to to meet you know maybe a different group of athletes? Ah, I. You know, I, I, I guess I've heard that uh, every year. <laughs> yeah, back in 1979. Well, this isn't nearly as good as what the athletes were like in 1975. Right. And, uh, I, I think that today's generation is terrific, and I, I thought that uh, people that I coached in 1977 were terrific. <laughs> that uh, that our world is in going to be in good hands and is uh, with the athletic in, influence, and probably especially among uh, women. I hope there's some research out there that tracks, you know, the, you know, what what exactly athletics has done since Title Nine became such a, a good and positive influence. Mm -hmm. you know, how has that affected um, yeah, young women and uh, women of today? That, that there's really no downside for, for me and my perspective. The entitled aspect, I, I do believe that back when... Uh, Women's athletics emerged in a big way in the mid to late 70s. That mm -hmm. There was a sense of, wow, isn't this great? We actually get to play with a uniform on. And yeah. we, we get to play with a, an official on a stand, and we're not doing play days anymore. And that uh, I have opportunities beyond being a, a cheerleader or a majorette. That there was such a sense of this is great that what's what's happening now is more of a, an expectation that it's going to they're going to have a lot of opportunity for positive athletic experiences and well they should mm -hmm. um, so that's women the, the guys the guys are just great but um uh, in my time coaching coaching men, the competitiveness and uh, just the opportunity to compete, uh, the, uh, the larger percentage of the male athletes that I've coached, uh, they just get such a joy out of uh, competing and that's that's never changed. That's not changed at all. Yeah. So I'll be a, a kind of a, a naysayer because uh, everybody's more athletes are more entitled now, kind mm -hmm. of thing. There's just more opportunity, and you know that's that's wonderful. I, I, I'm in awe, just in in constant awe of the people that I've coached and I'm coaching now that they're doing what they're doing and compartmentalize so well. They're 
by and large, still great students as well as great athletes. Yep. And uh, you know, going to be great citizens, great brothers and, and sisters, and the parents who have supported them so well haven't changed a whit over the years. <laughs> uh, and for the overwhelmingly largest part, uh, parents are, are wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, when they get over the edge, they kind of tend to look out for and correct each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a, a good, and I know uh, you've had a good culture around you at, uh, and, and with your program. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you wrap up with, with maybe the biggest question. And I didn't even, uh, I didn't even prepare you for this one. So we're going to, we're going to get some unfiltered Larry Bach now, which is always good. Um, but just, you know, obviously you, you've, you've seen this and, and you've spoken, I think, hit on some of these, this idea throughout your answers here, but I just, you know, obviously from, uh, our perspective here with the CIAC, you know, it, it feel like the, the participation in athletics, uh, you know, has, has such great benefit. I'm just curious, and, and if you were able to kind of sum up from what you've seen, what you feel like the real benefits are in, in athletic participation, whether it's at the high school level uh, with, with your own children or with the kids you've recruited or whatever it might be, uh, or at the college level or just all the way through, the the the, the benefits that you see from, from athletic participation for, for student-athletes? Oh, yeah, that's easy. Uh, that's easy. It's uh, yeah, the, uh, the opportunity and ability and learning how to be a teammate. It, it, the, the thing that I've gotten by far the most uh, uh, out of in my uh, academy experience thus far is how important being a teammate is and how uh, dramatic the impact of any individual is on uh, the people around them. Mm -hmm. We all work in teams, whether we're uh, uh, in athletics or in the business world, uh, own our own business, in administration, working in healthcare, we're all on teams. Yep. And how important is that? And I do think that athletes have a leg up, uh, a real good uh, and positive leg up on most by an ability to work most effectively with other people to achieve a common goal. And that's that's no that's nothing new or mysterious, but it is for real. Yep. And anybody who is an athlete is a part of a team in any way at all. They're they're just more ready. They're just more ready for contributing to uh, to our society in the long run. And yeah, at uh, at the academies. Yeah, it's it's all about team. It's all about leadership within a team. And it's all about working side by side, hand in hand, together to achieve something really important. And what a better way to accomplish that than to be an athlete or a coach and be involved in that process. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, that's very well stated, and uh, and and not surprising to me that you would have an excellent answer for that. So even uh, even without preparation, <laughs> you were able to to bring that one forward for me. So Larry, it's uh, it's been a, an, a wonderful pleasure for me. Uh, it's been way too long since I've uh, I've spoken to you since we both left the uh, the lovely uh, valleys of uh, central Pennsylvania. But uh, I, I'm very happy to speak with you, and and thank you so much for. Uh, for offering your thoughts and perspective for our, uh, our listeners. I really appreciate it. Uh, a pleasure, Joel. Thank you. Thanks so much to Larry for taking a few minutes, uh, quite a few minutes there, out of, out of his morning to chat with us. I, I wanted to, certainly in the off season, at least uh, as much as there is one for him, and uh, I, I just love talking to him. So I hope folks, uh, hope folks enjoyed that conversation. He's really, as I said, a very thoughtful guy, uh, a very humble uh, guy for someone with the level of success he's attained as a coach and and I really appreciate uh, chatting with him. So hope you, everyone enjoyed that, and hope everyone enjoyed this edition of the CIC Cast. Uh, we will, of course, be back in a few weeks. Time to start turning our attention to some more of the spring sports. So if you've got some guests that uh, you would like us to bring on to talk a little bit about the spring sports seasons, we've got all kinds of things happening here. Uh, in the next month or two as we steam towards the spring championships, but lots of good things to consider. So if you've got guests you'd like us to talk to, be sure to email me, C-I-A-C-Cast. You do have to double up on those Cs. So it's C-I-A-C-C-A-S-T. Did I spell that right? I'm My brain is not working. C-I-A-C-C-A-S-T. C-I-A-C-Cast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. That is a confusing email address. But that's the one. That's where you can reach us. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter at CIC Sports. Remember to uh, subscribe and rate us on iTunes if that's how you uh, choose to listen to us. We would love that. Love to get those subscriptions up and, uh, and get a few ratings up there as well. So if that's how you check us out, uh, that would be much appreciated. Or if it's not how you check us out, maybe you should consider it. You get all the, the CIC costs downloaded uh, the second we post it. So please consider that as well. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sports And as always, CIACsports.com is where you can get all the updated information uh, and stories and all the good stuff that uh, we're doing here at the CIAC office. So all of that said, we thank you so much, as always, for being with us. I'm Joel Cookson. Hope you'll be back with us for the next edition of the CIAC Cast.